0: Welcome back to Laundry, Yardwork, and Jesus. My name is Pastor Josh.
1: And I'm Pastor Joe.
0: And we are so excited that you have joined us again for another episode uh, as we take on this adventure together.
1: Absolutely. We're up to four.
0: Yeah, four. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. It's great. Um, So we are talking today about what should we do in family worship. But before we get there... I have a fun question sure so it's october yep and it's officially fall season it is and with fall comes pumpkin spice and it seems like we've gone a little pumpkin spice crazy and we have pumpkin spiced everything everything so my question to you is are you pro pumpkin spice
1: pro pumpkin spice like just in general
0: uh, yeah, we'll go with that.
1: Justin Jones? No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, that's, okay, so that's not necessarily true. Like, I like, um, pumpkin scent. Like, it's, it feels very fall. I like that. Okay. But, uh, get, get it out of my food. I don't want, I don't want it in my food. I don't like, uh, pumpkin spice lattes or, um, or, or things like that. Uh, pumpkin rolls, um, are okay, are they're all right? Yeah. Um. But like er- everything else is pumpkin spice. Like, just get it away from me. I don't. I don't actually want it. I don't want it in my drinks. I don't want it in my food. My shampoo, deodorant, okay. <laughs> all all that. Just <laughs> none of those things. None none of those things. So I like it in, in, but it's just. I think it's just too much. It's just too much pumpkin spice. We we're leaving. We're, we're all the other fall flavors are like off the table now because of pumpkin.
0: Okay. How about you? I. I agree with that in principle. Yeah, I think we've gone too far with the pumpkin spice craze. Uh, the the one, two things that I enjoy this time of year that are pumpkin-flavored are, are about once or twice I enjoy a good pumpkin spice latte. I'll go to Starbucks and get one. I started that in college. It's just kind of a fall tradition I have now. Uh, the other thing that I've really come to love are pumpkin donuts and donut holes from Dunkin' Donuts. Um, I don't
1: believe those exist. Uh, I mean, like I, I, I hear you say that, but uh-huh. I've never gone to a Dunkin' Donuts where they've actually had donuts available, <laughs> other than like three very sus-looking glazed. <laughs> like they don't—they don't actually have donuts there anymore.
0: We were blessed with a good Dunkin' Donuts where we lived before, and we really. Enjoyed. We, I enjoyed (laughs) the pumpkin donuts. So yeah, your uh, disdain for Dunkin' Donuts has shown through quite a bit in some conversations recently. I, I didn't know people felt this way. No, I like.
1: No, I like Dunkin' Donuts. I like in in principle. Like that was the donut of my youth. We didn't have Krispy Kremes where I was growing up. So a Dunkin' Donut is like a special, dare I say, sacred thing. (laughs) And and the problem is, is that as much as I enjoy Dunkin' Donuts. It just, it just, it's just like the disappointment. When you have the expectation, the disappointment whenever they let you down and fail you, it, it just hurts all the more. As a Tennessee fan, you should understand this.
0: <laughs> oh, I appreciate that. You're Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. This is after the Florida loss in the 2023 season. Uh, that disappointment is real.
1: It, it, just to clarify, I'm not a Florida fan. That's not, this isn't me rubbing in a specific game, just volunteer life in football. Yes. Just in, ge- in general.
0: That is true. That is true. This is also after LSU blew a game to Ole Miss, by the way.
1: Yeah, but you see, I said disappointment matches your expectations i expected us i expected us to drop at least three in the sec this year so you know
0: but you know what there's always in every football season for me as a tennessee fan some hurdles that just destroy my expectations well done and that is similar to our question we finished the last episode with and that question was what are some of your biggest hurdles to family worship well, my biggest
1: hurdle to family worship is me. <laughs> um, to quote Taylor Swift, I am the problem. It's me. Yes. Um, well, you can't get away from Taylor Swift anywhere I, these I, days. I appreciate I want the Taylor
0: Swift com- uh, quote. That was fantastic. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Um, <laughs> it's almost like we've had three takes on this to try it. That's right. Um, the, um, but, uh, yeah, like so my biggest problem with family worship – is not like the kids resisting it. it's me resisting it. Mm-hmm. Um, again, not in principle or in practice just like again, we do our family time more toward the end of the day and I'm tired, mm-hmm. you know what I mean And um, get, rallying the troops together, getting everyone in the right space and um, getting every all, all of our equipment together, our Bible and trying to set that time aside it's it takes it takes work. You know what I mean? It takes a little bit of effort, so uh, we get it right more times than not. But if we're going to fail, if we're going to have a, uh, a a night where we where we miss it, it's probably just because I am spent, or, um, or at least feel like I'm spent. I, I choose laziness instead of righteousness. And yeah. um, like I said, it's not that it doesn't happen too often, mm-hmm. but when it does happen, it's usually my fault.
0: Yeah, no, and I I can concur with that. I find that a lot of times I'm the problem. Uh, you know that that is true more often than not. I think the other thing factor for us, just in our rhythm of life, is it's just so busy. And I've heard some other people say that, but it really is true for us. It just. It seems like, you know, you get home from school and work and you get dinner made and you turn around. It's like, oh, my goodness, it's almost bedtime. Yeah. and, it, and it's, Or if you, especially if you've been out somewhere and you come home, fa- really fighting for that space is not an easy task. Right. And that really is why I have come to love uh, redeeming car rides and car times uh, when we can, because I think those can be helpful as well. Uh, Because at the end of the day, there is a spiritual warfare element to this to where we need to be (coughs) prayerful about what is happening and uh, ask the Lord to help us make time for this and make it a priority. Right.
1: And, you know, as we're as we're, you know, trying to be transparent and honest about you know we're human, so yep. it's not a matter of if we're going to have failures. It's a matter of when, how often. Can we mitigate those? Can we, like you talked about, redeem other times and try to come up? We need to try to remember, and I hope, um, I hope if, if if you're still listening, that you'll understand that this is a this is a process. This is a day by day thing. This is a habit. Remember, these are habits that uh, point and focus our families onto Jesus, and so. Uh, Jesus is full of grace. One of the phrases you've kind of coined or wanted to keep on the forefront is embracing grace. Yeah, You know, um, giving, understanding that um, God is, that we're not sovereign. Our children's Mm -hmm. salvation does not depend 100% on us. Depends on God, you know, and he's going to work through these circumstances.
0: Yeah, that is something that we have to keep in mind uh, in every aspect of our walk with Jesus, but particularly with this subject, because so much of parenting can feel like a failure. And that defeat is real. And if we forget the grace in this, we'll give up. And the goal is for all of us to love Jesus. And we gotta keep that at the forefront. Absolutely. Um,
1: and not only do I think that, does Satan use that to discourage us, put, you know keeping our failures in front of our face, right? Mm-hmm. Making us feel like, okay, well, we dropped the ball. We've dropped the ball too much. This is this is going to be it. I think we underestimate how much God can use us whenever we win. Mm. You know, cuz yeah. remember we're focusing on Jesus. So we're we're inviting Jesus into our homes, we're we're focusing our family on them. He's at work. You know, mm. he he's at work on those times that we uh where we do get into the Bible, where we are praying, where we where we are going. I think it's it's much more like um more like baseball than it is like football. Yeah. You know, that's good. you know, in baseball, if you only fail seven out of ten times when you go up to bat, they'll put you in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. You know, whereas football, <laughs> if you're if you're a quarterback that's completing thirty percent of your passes, then congratulations, you're now a fullback. You're not. A, you're Tim Tebow. You're out. You're you're not. You're not playing anymore.
0: That's right. That's right. Yeah. The uh, the backup quarterback chants get real loud at that. Point. Very very loud. And it, And that's why we can get so called up in, okay, I want to do Tuesday nights at 7 o'clock. We're going to get together in the living room, and we're going to pray, we're going to read, we're going to sing. And if you miss that, it can become defeating. And we have to keep in mind what you're saying is all those little things, there's grace there, and God is at work in so many things that we'll never know this side of eternity. And it should keep us... Seeking the face of God on behalf of our kids, knowing that we can't save them. Only he can. That's right.
1: So whenever we have one of those nights where we win. Where we, where, where, we're all of our hearts, right? All of our hearts every time. So uh, we get out, we get the family together. We sit folks down. We're ready to have our devotionals. We're ready to have our time of family worship. Um, what do you actually do? What is what is kind of the process of family worship? Because you're talking about we're not just gathering everyone around. We're not talking get out the hymnals and guitars, or are we? Uh, we're not. No, at least not. I'm at least I'm not. Maybe for your family that actually would be would work. Sure. Um, I only know two chords on the guitar, so you know, not so much for me.
0: Um, I play a great YouTube video. Nice. Yes. Uh, but I think this is where going back to the Family Worship by Donald Whitney book that we've been uh, really loosely following this whole adventure we're on. Uh, helps us understand this. He kind of has three categories that he frames in that book, and he talks about reading the Word, he talks about spending time in prayer, and singing together as a family. And those three elements are helpful to us when it comes to family worship.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it really is that simple. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not preparing, um, huge sermons or lessons or, or, or tracking out like, okay, uh, we're going to cover this, this month, next month, we're covering this, the following month. It's reading, Mm -hmm. praying and singing. And those are three things that anybody can do. Yes. Everybody can do it.
0: Yeah. And so let's look at these a little bit more, just kind of, as we walk through to get an idea of how that can work out practically in our homes. So reading, he obviously is talking about reading God's Word, incorporating God's Word into your family worship. So how are some ways that you may have done or have seen that uh, happen in the life of a family?
1: Sure. Um, well, there are, you know, I think in, in this case, particularly if you're just starting off, just keep it as simple as possible. Um I've always thought whether it is a, a sermon or a personal devotion or a family devotion, it's far better to – if you if you can just get the meaning out of like a verse or a passage, three verses, four verses and, and cling on to that, mm-hmm. that's better than reading five chapters and not having a clue what you just read or talked about. So when it comes to reading scripture, I would say it's important to have a readable translation.
0: Yeah,
1: you know, um, the King James has uh, been a classic and has served the church very, very well. It's written on a high school reading level, and that was back whenever we were in high school. So these days, you know, I don't know. You might need a master's degree to, to, to read it. They might advise it. I have no idea how those shift. I don't. I don't think our school systems have. Um, anyway, so moving on from that, but yeah, so I have a readable translation for broadly everyone in your family, um, as much as possible, um, because you're gonna, you know, depending on how your family makeup is, you might have a four-year-old and uh, an eight-year-old, you might have a six-year-old and a 15-year-old. So as best as you can, you want a translation that would be require as little retranslation as possible for those kids.
0: Yeah, uh, that is very helpful because you only have so much attention span there. And, you know, by the third or fourth "thou," you can lose someone. Mm-hmm. And and you don't want to even go into the alternative meanings for donkey. Yeah. And so <laughs> the, that came up on a car ride to school the other day. Oh, that fantastic. That was a fun conversation. I bet. Yeah, uh, so that's, that was great. But... Yeah, having like a storybook Bible for young kids, I've found to be really helpful. Uh, those, whether it's like the Jesus storybook Bible, or uh, there's another one called the big picture storybook that my kids are just kind of falling in love with.
1: And there's a new one that just came out too, uh, okay. God's Promise Storybook Bible, which I've just ordered and I'm currently sampling, just got it in. So okay. uh, we might have a review coming up.
0: Oh, fun. We'll have a review episode. How about that? All right. That'd be good. And, but those are helpful. and. It really gives, takes the over... Most of them will take the big story of Scripture and put it in a way that anyone can understand, really, but especially kids can understand. And you can just walk through it as a family together. Uh, it Those can be very helpful. And as they get older, you can go to an actual Bible translation that they can understand.
1: Yeah. Um, and, and then whenever you do graduate up to that, again, I think choosing... Um for me, I would probably either start in early Genesis creation because mm-hmm. it sets it sets this tone for so much of the rest of Scripture, or get them to Jesus. Maybe start in the Gospel. Start in Mark. Mm-hmm. Start in Luke. Or um, Luke's great has a lot of great narratives in it. And Mark is great because a lot of stuff happens. <laughs> you know, if you read yeah. you read ten chapter, you know, ten verses in Mark, you've gotten a complete story. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, moving on. But 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 finding a book of the Bible and just reading through it. And if, mm-hmm. if again, depending on your family, your makeup, your time, a paragraph or a chapter is good. The 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 yeah. one thing I wanna say as we're talking about family worship is uh, again, time wise, this doesn't have to be like a half hour thing. That's right. This is this can be the whole thing, reading, praying, and, and singing this whole thing can be like ten minutes, yeah, twelve minutes. You know, if you if you can figure that out, if you can do that like two or three times a week, mm-hmm. then that's a big win.
0: Yeah, that's that's huge. And even uh, in the book, he talks about keeping it short. You know, be brief, and uh, you'll find more fruit from a short time together than spending thirty minutes together. And if you have older kids and you have a 30-minute conversation about God's Word, man, glory to God, that's awesome. Absolutely. Do that. I was talking with a family uh, at our church a couple weeks ago, and uh, he and his son will sometimes listen to sermons together as they're riding uh, on the tractor. And that those type of things can be beneficial, and it gets the Word there to have conversations over God's Word.
1: Absolutely. You know, one of the—this is something Christians in general— churches in general tend to be guilty about, and I think we've talked about this, or maybe I was talking to somebody else, and I just assumed we talked about it. Sure. We talk a lot. That's true. Um, is that churches and Christians have a hard time talking about Jesus to each other, mm-hmm. where we, it, it, it is an unusual thing to walk up to someone, even in church, a fellow believer, someone that we know about, someone that we care about and worship with, and say, so how's Jesus working in your life? What did God do for you this week? like that would just that would just seem kind of weird sometimes. You know, we we have a hard time getting to that level even among the brothers and sisters, right? Yeah. And so with families, a lot of time that can be a struggle where we're like, "Okay, how do I talk to God about this?" Or, "How do I talk to how do I talk to them about God?" And so having this reading thing or listening to sermons together, like you said, having creating a space in your schedule where it's normal for you to talk about spiritual things with your kids.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the, let's never underestimate the power of a gospel conversation. Right. And when we talk about those in church world, a lot of times that's like evangelism. You know, how can I go to McDonald's and have a gospel conversation? Well, those should start at home. If we can't talk to our family, who we see all the time about Jesus, we're probably not going to talk to other people about Jesus. And And I think that's a helpful place to start is as simple as, hey, let's— I read a verse th- this morning. Let me tell you how God worked through that. Yeah, And I think those can be just easy on-ramps into good gospel conversations.
1: And uh, I think once you have that kind of um, spiritual language built into your relationship and you have – when you have a relationship that can go there, mm-hmm. that's not going to go away throughout the rest of their, their lives. That, that's in there for good, yeah. right? So whenever they're in their 30s and they're like, okay, how do I leave my family? How do I do this? How can – as your relationship with your your kids matures and it begins to shift, you're still their parent. And they're still going to need you. And you can be even more transparent and honest with them about where you failed or what you would do different or how God worked you through in those circumstances. And you can share maybe more of your God story yep. than you would be willing to whenever they're like – three and you're just trying to have a family worship without someone getting sent to bed early,
0: (laughs) you know? Exactly. Yeah. And that's going to be good for everyone when uh, it's kind of that notion of Psalm 145 of one generation declares your goodness and your mighty works to another. And that, that's a helpful thing, especially for young people to hear, you know, I to kind of add just another element in Sometimes it's helpful to have memory verses yeah. that you just want your kids to know. Uh, one of the verses in our home has been Joshua 1, nine, and it's we've just uh, seen how that verse can work personally just in my life and in Megan's life, and we wanted that to be something that our kids could always go to, to know that uh, the Lord your God is with you wherever you go, or do not be afraid, the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And uh, that is a verse that we've kind of instilled in our kids so that we can ask them, hey, what's Joshua 1.9? And most of the time, they can tell us back because we want them to know that when they're afraid, they can run to Jesus. Right. And uh, having those memory verses that you instill is a way to incorporate that and build those habits into family worship. And when you're gathered around together, you can say that together, and it's helpful.
1: Sure. It's kind of like filling your toolbox You know, a lot of times when you get a new project, you're like, I get to go buy a new tool. And then you think, well, do I really need it I've got one project that I'm gonna need this tool one time for. Do I really go out and and make it permanent? Yeah. But we're men. (laughs) So yes, we do. Because you never know when you're going to need it. And the next time you need it or the next time a friend needs it or a neighbor needs it. You've got it, and you're the man with the tool. So it's a, memory verses are incredibly helpful to, uh, again, have those repeated opportunities to bring God up and to bring Scripture up throughout the day and the week, but also mm-hmm. filling up that toolbox.
0: Yeah, that's good. So what about prayer? How can we make prayer a part of this gathered family worship time?
1: Well, I think uh, prayer is probably the easiest part, but also— it's very easy to be cynical about prayer in family worship, too, because let's be honest, most of our kids' prayer requests are going to be for things that are so absurd yeah. that it's not like, OK, God, God can do anything, yes. But he's actually probably not going to make Mario come to real life, <laughs> you know, yeah. which is the level of prayers that we have sometimes, you know, uh, pets. Or you know they can be kind of vague, or it could just be a want thing. We kind of went through a phase whenever we we were taking prayer requests, and it was basically just their Christmas list that they were getting out ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And it can be a little deflating. He's like, "Come on, kid! <laughs> Come on! You're talking to the Almighty God of the Universe. We just read this, and this is what you're talking about." But yeah. then I'm like, "Okay, they're they're two and a half. <laughs> this is this is where this is where they're at." Um, but really, I think. Prayer is the nice thing about prayer. Ooh, the one nice thing about prayer, right No, there's lots of benefits to prayer is that it really is something that most of the kids in your family, most of the people in your family can't participate in. yeah, you know?
0: yeah, there's no age limit on prayer, you know, young or old. it everyone can be part of it. and that's one of the reasons we found it so helpful, whether it's, you know praying over meal times or praying before bed, uh, praying in the morning, I think I'd mentioned one of the, habits that we've developed is we always pray with our kids before school Um, on our way just in the car we'll ask how can we pray for each other today and we'll pray Uh, those things are we can take for granted like prayer is that thing that's like oh it's just a prayer time but if we are people who believe the bible prayer is powerful and prayer is a means by which god works in his world and even something as simple as taking time to teach our kids that we thank God for our meal or we remember that He is our provider at of all of our meals, that's teaching them and that's helping us and them remember this is all about Jesus. Right. And that's a habit that is helpful for us in family worship.
1: 100%. Um, so one thing, if, if maybe you're struggling because some folks have a hard time or if you're not used to praying out loud. Yep. You know, even in your family, you could be embarrassing. Like, how, how do I do this? Am I right? One thing that can make things easier for you, but also I think is a really helpful prayer practice, is to pray through whatever scripture you've read. Mm, yeah. So if you're reading a psalm, I mean, so many of the psalms are prayers themselves. And so you can read through and say, hey, here, David prayed for, for this and he prayed for this, he needed forgiveness here, he had enemies here, he had obstacles here, he had praises here. What's something that I can praise God for like this? What's yeah. a, t- you know, what's, do I feel like there's an enemy attack coming here? Is there a person that I need God to deal with here? Yes. Is there and, and go that, if it's a more of a narrative thing, like if you're doing a, a storybook Bible, you read a chapter in a storybook Bible, or if you're reading a narrative in one of the gospels, try to find like one point from that. Uh, from that narrative or from that story, how God worked, and then focus that on your family and ask God to do that in your family or to help to see, uh, help you to see in your family to see how He's working and, and how we can need Him and depend on Him. Letting letting your scripture reading direct and give language to your prayer life is a, is a for me personally, it's a very powerful prayer tool in general, but especially particularly if you're new in leading prayer. Yeah. Then it's very helpful. Because listen, if you're praying through scripture, you're you're not gonna do it wrong. That's right. Yeah. It, you're not, it's you're, a cheat you're, code. It's a cheat code. Yeah. It's a cheat code. God's word is infallible. So if you're praying what he his word back to him, yes. you, know, you don't have to worry about getting it wrong. And of course, even if you do, God can always say no. Like God's not thwarted, God's not thwarted by your bad prayers.
0: That's right. Yes. You know, you had with the kids, I think in August had walked through Psalm 100 verse 5. Right. And I think it's a great verse to help. That verse, I'll read it real quick. It says, for the Lord is good and his faithful love endures forever, his faithfulness through all generations. A simple prayer from that verse is simply, God, thank you for being good. Yeah. God, thank you that you love us. Thank you that I've seen that. And that's a small prayer. It's a small prayer. But that's a powerful prayer. And it's encouraging you and it's encouraging your kids to stop and thank god for his goodness
1: so that brings up another question is um who does the praying during the prayer time mm. so how do you how do you do that how do you handle it
0: so i i found it's helpful to give some guardrails uh, in my family because you're right you'll get off the wall things and so if we were to be praying through psalm 100 verse 5 i would say hey what is one way that you're thankful that God loves you? And it might be I have to help them. Hey, God made you. Or, you know, those type things. I might give them a specific way. uh, Or some other things that we've done is we've said, hey, who is a neighbor we can pray for tonight? And give them a specific question so that it's not just everybody in the whole world. But (laughs) it's, uh, I want to pray for Jim, our neighbor. You know, just specific guardrails to help give them concrete ways to pray. And I think that is a helpful way. Uh, The other thing that we do is we've kind of gotten into a prayer schedule at our house, and especially before bed each night, and we just kind of rotate through our daughter, our son, Megan, and me. We all take turns praying. And sometimes that turns into a fight because, you know, the kids are like, it's my turn. No, it's my turn. Yep. It's real life. It happens. Embrace grace. That's right. And, uh, But that's been really helpful for us to kind of follow that. And it gives our kids opportunities to pray out loud in a a place where they're not going to get judged. And if one of their siblings does, they get in trouble. Right. And so uh, it has been helpful. And it's been really cool to watch our kids' prayers change as they get older. and And so that's just kind of how we have done it. How about you? How have you all done that?
1: Um, you know, a lot of the same way. Um, so we pray in different ways throughout the day. Um, but then particularly at night when we have our main family worship, Mm -hmm. it it really depends on how the night's going, (laughs) what time it is (laughs) and that, you know, um, but, uh, sometimes it'll just be me that leads out in prayer. And more often than not, um, we'll we'll hold hands. We'll share prayer requests, and then we'll go around and let each each child pray. Mm-hmm. Um, even even our three year old. <laughs> and uh, a lot of times we don't understand at all what he's saying, but we're sure that God does. That's right. So uh, not to go Pentecostal here, but um, but it, the nights whenever I'm praying, you see, prayer is also a teaching tool. When you hear when they your kids hear you pray. They pick up on how to pray. They're going to look to you as the example on how to do this. So praying is a good ex- uh, way to continue the teaching time, not necessarily like reiterating the lesson or, re- re- you know, re-saying everything. But like you said, a-, a brief prayer is okay. Mm-hmm. Um, trying, you know, how we praise God, how what what adjectives we use. Um what the kind of things that we ask for, those those can be teaching tools. But also, like you said, it's really, really important to give children the opportunity to pray themselves and, and out loud because where else are they going to get that? Mm-hmm. Uh, in that, I love the way you phrase it, in a place where they're not going to be judged, yeah. and if they are, there's going to be punishment. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> like it, it is, it, Your family prayer should be a really safe space, um, safe zone, and allows them to participate when you're doing the bible reading Mm -hmm. you're the one doing the bible reading yeah you know um but prayer is something that is easier to participate in or easier to see the child's participation and you know it's kind of like it's kind of like a sermon right Mm -hmm. when uh pastor justin is preaching He's not the only one doing something. We're all supposed to be actively listening yeah. and reading along in Scripture or taking notes or thinking through what he's saying. Like the the entire congregation is participating in the sermon, or at least we're supposed to be, right? Yes. But occasionally we might zone out just for five minutes, right? Yep. <laughs> it, it happens on occasion. I've been told. I'm not sure I've ever done this, but I've been told that it can happen. But whenever you're singing… Or whenever you're you're praying along and you know you're participating, it's a little bit easier to refocus and make sure you're dialed in. And so prayer and singing gives your child a chance to do that in family worship, too. So they're not just something they're sitting through. It's something they are involved in.
0: Yeah, and I like that. That notion of this is a participatory practice. Right. It's not just them sitting there listening to dad or mom go on and on. But we want them involved because— it's a family worship. It's not just dad's worship or mom's worship, right? And and so, kind of just to shift here over to singing for a minute. I know you love to sing. You are have this voice that just bellows out. And Chris is always recruiting you for the choir. So, how often do you just serenade your family in singing?
1: Okay, so two of those three things are true. I do love to sing, and I do sing loud. I've not been asked to <laughs> to sing in the choir. <laughs> shockingly shockingly I have my invitation just got lost it's just it's just not there Um, I do not serenade my family often (laughs) often Um, I'll be honest as we're going through this singing is one of those areas that's really important and really crucial um, that I personally probably need to work on Mm. in the way in the way that we lead at the again at the end of the night, whenever we're sitting down and we're doing our Bible reading and we're doing our praying, we don't incorporate a time of singing. Mm-hmm. Um, now there was uh, there are times like whenever I'm tucking the kids into bed, if I need to sit with them a little bit longer, then I'll sing to them. Then mm-hmm. you know we'll incorporate music there. Uh, so I actually do serenade them every now and then. See, but now they're but you. see here's the issue though, and here's the interesting thing is that so I used to be the I, I'm still the tucker in. Mm-hmm. Um but when they were younger I used to sit with them for a little bit. And so that's whenever I would sing. But now they're growing up. And my littlest one is 3. And so he's but 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 he's in there with his brother. And so he doesn't need dad. He's got he's got his brother. Yeah. Right? So uh I'm not spending as much time that that that, that those tuck-ins and lullabies are not lasting nearly as long as they used to. And so I need to rethink things now that my kids are entering a different stage, how to better incorporate music. So uh, how do you do it? Give, give me some pointers. Give me something I can do.
0: Yeah, because I'm such a singer. You, you know? are I a just, singer. I walk around singing. I actually do walk around singing. No one enjoys it. But I do walk <laughs> around singing, uh, unless I sing Taylor Swift. People like for me to sing Taylor Swift for whatever. I can do an incredible rendition of Love Story. Just, That's yeah. –
1: I'll take your word on that.
0: Uh, you should. Uh, there's videos out there somewhere, I'm sure. <laughs> but uh, I have a family who loves to sing. My, my wife loves music, and our son loves music as well. And I won't say that we incorporate singing into family worship that much, but w- a couple things w- we have done in the past that has been helpful, uh, especially when our kids were younger, like songs that had motions to them, yeah. it engaged our kids. And we would do that from time to time just to get them engaged. Uh, the other thing that has been helpful for us is uh, we have little uh, Amazon Echo Dots all around the house and we we will sometimes just play a song on there and the kids enjoy hearing it. They have some favorite songs that they have heard at church. Uh, yeah. Really, I'll give a shout out to Chris because some of the songs they learn in children's choir, uh, our son comes home and he loves them. And Absolutely. He's asking to play them all the time and those have been helpful in getting their attention, and just really using that as a tool to engage them. If prayer and reading the Bible has not been effective, the song has been helpful. Right. And so that's kind of been the way that music has worked in our house as well. And then there's times that we just say, hey, right now we're going to listen to Jesus music. And, you know, as much as we may want to listen to other things, we want to focus our mind on Jesus. And that might be when we're driving to church or uh, when we're sitting at home about to do family worship and they want to listen to a song we'll say well let's do this song instead yeah and it's kind of steering them in the right direction
1: yeah and it really is helpful uh, music has a way of teaching and, or, or in getting where it can' have a way, it can have a way of teaching yes uh, because music gets embedded in you I, it is embarrassing whenever a song would come up from my like, middle teenage years right I'm which not wasn't gonna that long ago. I'm not I'm not gonna name I'm not gonna name the bands or the songs but every now and then I'll just be like in target or something and a song will come up and I'll be like I know every word to this song yes. I haven't thought about it in 25 years which hasn't been when I was a teenager by the by the way so um, so moving moving on now, uh, I just had a moment of realization that it, it possibly has been 25 years since I was a teenager. But at any rate, that's the that just speaks to the power of music. I've killed Josh. I might have to finish this by myself. I just completely owned myself uh, uh, on this thing, and it's okay. It's all right. I'll, it's okay. I'm back. It's You're okay. back?
0: I'm back. Are you sure? Um, no, but I am for now.
1: Okay, cool. Um, <coughs> did you find myself self Steam under the table whenever you were down there because it's gone um, but circling around to this, this is, that just speaks to the power of music and how helpful it can be I know there are a lot of um, a lot of resources out there uh, we like a channel called Slugs and Bugs Mm. Um, that has some really fun songs that teach, like, the Ten Commandments and just general good gospel truths that are pretty catchy. And they have some just goofy songs about bears chasing you and stuff, and it's really fun. But they also do a lot with um, putting Scripture to music. Mm -hmm. And so incorporating things like that as they're going, they're they're memorizing good truths that are going to stick with them, whether they like it or not, whether they remember it or not. It's there.
0: Yeah. And I would say, as whether you're looking, how do I go about reading scripture or praying or singing? Uh, the general guidelines that he puts at the end of this chapter are very helpful. Uh, keep it short, be consistent, and stay flexible. Those are good tools in this practice. The other thing I will say is if you've decided that you're going to. Attempt this that you you've prayed about it and you just think this is something we need to do with, for our family. I would probably uh, encourage you to sing first if you're going to do that because that really I've found to be a way to engage our kids and then prepare them to hear from God's word. Uh, I'll do that sometimes just with me. I'll put on a Christian song before I read the Bible just to wake up in the mornings yeah. and before I read. And so I think that has, is a powerful tool. The other thing that we have to keep in mind kind of as we're wrapping up here is customize this for your family. Absolutely. Every family is different and there is no one correct way to go about building these habits. You might find that uh, it's easier for you all to uh, pray and read at dinner time and because bedtime is so crazy. For us, Doing that at dinner time is not as effective, uh, but right before bed, for whatever reason, is a much better time to sit down and talk about Jesus. So keep that in mind. Customize this for your family.
1: Absolutely, and it, it might be that you might find, especially if you're getting started with this, that and it, you're forming the habit, that maybe not every day is a winner for you. Mm-hmm. It might be you're just sitting there like, okay, I could see, I could see Mondays working. I could see Thursdays or Wednesdays working tuesdays though i have we have so much going on i can't see this working on tuesday so so start on monday then take yep. the day take the days that you can do that you could see like these are when in other words don't 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 wait until you can see a clear path to victory seven days a week yes to to start just just grab We're gonna we're going to do this one day we're going to do this tuesdays or we're going to do this what get what you can customize it to your family like you said and right. and just start
0: yeah, yeah, and look for those redeemable times in your schedule. Yeah, it may be a car ride, might be as you're getting ready in the mornings. Just talk about things. Play a Christian song in the mornings, and begin teaching your kids. Start your day focus on Jesus. You know, those things are good uh, stepping stones to gathering around the table or the living room for family worship.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So, with that in mind, the big question this week is: What is one new step you can take to lead your family to form these habits for for jesus so uh if, if this is your first step and you know if this is your first time you're just getting started on this journey what what do you think your first step could be what would be that one time that you think this would work best where you could read you could pray you could sing um, if you got some practice in this you know like i said i need to rethink how i do music Uh, how we incorporate music in that, what is maybe one new step or one adjustment you can make that you think would streamline or, or help your family be more consistent Mm -hmm. in its family worship?
0: Yeah. So what is one new step you can take toward family worship this week? I'll be thinking about that.
1: Yeah, me too. Me too. So thank you for hanging in there with us. I um, appreciate you. And I appreciate Josh, um, I'm gonna hear about that 25 year slip for the next 25 years
0: he is a young pastor I am
1: a young pastor
0: relatively speaking
1: R- relatively relatively speaking is important that's that's very important all right uh we'll get with you later we'll talk to you later and we'll catch you next time
0: see ya